please stay afterwards. This is about the family. And so I've actually got a three-part series on this. We're going to go over all nine fruits of the Spirit, but we're going to do it every time we have a fellowship. So if you don't like being with family, then don't come on the family fellowships, okay? But um, we, I just want to talk with you and just share my burden with you because there are a lot of churches, and I, and I got to spend some time with the Pensacola group today. There's a lot of churches that are not very friendly to them. And you guys were extremely friendly to them, talk with them. And, and I've told you this before, that I've met missionaries before that have went to churches and people won't talk to the missionaries. I, I know the reason, because I have some personal friends that are missionaries. I said, why do they not talk to you? And they say this, they say they're scared that their kids want to be missionaries. So they'll stay away from them. And I said, are you, are you being serious? I said, some of them won't even take our prayer cards. And I said, are these supporting churches? He said, yes. And we want to know why America is in such a kerfuffle where we're at and all the problems that we have. It's because we don't really understand what family is supposed to be like. A missionary is an extension of our family. We have 100 missionaries here, and they're an extension of who we are. They're doing a job that we can't do. And so I want you to see these things, and we're going to get to the first three in just a second, but I want to set up some of these things for you so you understand. Everybody knows that the fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians. Most people do know that. And it's listed here, and how many of them are? There's nine, and we're going to look at the first three, and the first three are the easiest ones to talk about. The one that I have a problem with is forbearance. How do you like to forbear things? Most people don't know what that word means, and I'll give you the illustration that I always think of when I think of forbearance. How many of you have ever been in a line where it says one lane is closing? And so you get to the lane that's the one that you're going to go to, and there's that, always that person. I could pick some people in this room that would probably be the person in the other lane driving all the way up to the front, passing 150 cars, and then wanting to come in. And I knew Lee would be one of them. Okay. I would probably pick on your wife too, Brother Gardner. She'd probably be one that would be in there too, okay? And some of these teen drivers, well, I don't know what I'm doing, and they want to get in. Have you ever been there where they want to get in? And what do you do? Now, there's a couple things you do. You get as close to, as possible to the car in front of you. <laughs> Secondly, the second most prime thing you need to do is never make eye contact with the people that are trying to get in. It's almost like you don't want to look at them. Because if you look at them, then you've got to let them in. And then if you do let them in, the guy behind you is going to be mad. Forbearing is just saying, okay, I'm going to let go, and I'm going to let you have your way. And that's pretty hard to do. But the first three, love, joy, and peace, not too hard to do, but it's neat that we need to understand what it is. So you've got to look at context of Galatians. As you look at the book of Galatians, Paul writes this, and really, it doesn't really kick in. He's, he's, he's correcting them until chapter 5. And then in chapter 5 comes and he starts talking to them on a different level. And as you start with chapter 5, you'll see with the fruit of the Spirit, it starts with something called liberty. It's interesting what Christians find liberty in. And liberty means you have a choice to do this or that. You have a choice to be going this direction or going that direction, and God gives you that ability, but you're held accountable for the liberties that you use. See, I can drive as fast as I want. I, Brother Gardner, I can drive as fast as I want. But there's problems with that. When I drive too fast, guess what? 
I can get pulled over. I can get a ticket. I can get a warning. I can have my license revoked. And with that liberty, because I don't know if you've noticed on your cars, they don't stop at 55 or 65. How many of you have ever, ever checked out your speedometers? I've got a Hummer and it, it goes up to 95 miles an hour. It would probably go faster than 95 miles an hour. But the problem is there's a sign that's on that road that says 65 or 70. I have a liberty to go as fast as I possibly can, but there's always problems and there's things that will happen to me if I exceed that liberty. And so when, when, when Paul is talking to these people, and remember, he's used this whole book to try to make them do the right thing. even talks about re rebutting Peter of what he has done. And so he's taking a stand, and he starts this thing, and he says in verse number 5, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. But the key to this is the next two words, Wherewith Christ hath made us free. Thank God we don't have to go back to that law. The law is good for us. If you really want to have a good diet, follow what the Jews did. And you will definitely lose weight and you'll eat right if you do that. But, you know, we don't live by that law anymore. We've got Christ that came and he took the payment for our sin and he died on a cross for us. But it still doesn't mean we have to throw out everything in the Old Testament. We're going on a series in, in the Old Testament. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. This next week, we're going to be talking about Thou shalt not kill. And Sunday night is going to be a very important sun, Sunday night because it's one of the hardest messages, and it's the next one that's found in line, and it's what? Thou shalt not commit adultery. But when you look and see what Jesus talks about in both of those in the New Testament, he, he even sends it a little bit further. On thou shalt not kill, he talks about being angry. And thou shalt, and thou shalt not commit adultery, he talks about what you're looking at, what your thought process is. He talks to his disciples about that. So those are two tough things to deal with. And I want you to see that, and we're going to go into that as we go. But it is my understanding that we have a choice in our life. We have a choice in our life found in verse number one, and it's that liberty. Are we going to choose the right thing? We need to walk in the Spirit. Go to verse 16. It says this. It says, then I, th This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We have to walk in that Spirit. What is he talking about? When the Holy Spirit indwells you, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in. Now, you can either reject what he wants you to do or, or do what he wants you to do. How many of you ever heard of a backslidden Christian? They still have the Holy Spirit. They're just not following it. And when they don't follow it, guess what? When you, want, when you want your mom and dad, let's put this on a perspective. If you have a bad relationship with your mom and dad and you need something and you go talk to them when you have a poor relationship, do you think they're going to help you? Probably not. So you have to have that right relationship with God. And remember, the Holy Spirit is God. We sometimes talk about God the Father and God the Son, but God the Holy Spirit is there and He indwells us. And thank God for that. He tells you what's right and what's wrong. And so in this, he's talking about it. He says, you got to walk in the Spirit. Not only do you have to have the Spirit in there, but you have to move and you have to show possession and He's in you. And while you're walking, you're doing things for Him. Because it talks about that in more than one verse. Go to another verse. Not only do we need to walk in the, in the Spirit, it's found in verse 16, but it's also found in verse number 25. He again says to them, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's putting an action to the nine fruits of the Spirit. 
And all those are actions. Love is an action. I mean, we think it's an emotion. As teenagers, we think it's emotion. Oh, I love you. I love you. And then we, well, then we realize, you know, I love hot dogs too, but it's not the same thing as I love my wife. It's, an, it's not an emotion. It's an action. You know, we went to um, a Chinese restaurant. How many of you like sushi? How many of you can eat sushi? We went to Sushi King down in um, Myrtle Beach, and I ordered steak. My son-in-law, he, 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 he ate like 38 different types of sushi. And he was telling me what was in it. And I was like, I have no, I don't want to eat squid. I don't want to eat octopus. I don't want to eat all these things you're eating because I don't know what it would do to me. I have an opinion, and my opinion is I want to do what I want to eat, what I like to eat. We all have this. We've got to walk, we've got to put actions to what the Spirit has for us. Not only is, does it talk about that, it also talks, it says we need to live in the Spirit. Go to verse number 25 again. It says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit in us. He's living with us, and He's telling us what to do. The cartoons would have you believe there's a bad guy and a good guy. And the Holy Spirit is that good guy. The bad guy is not the devil. The bad guy is your flesh. And we've got to get back to understanding your flesh wants you to do what your flesh likes. And Paul always talked about this. He always said, the things I shouldn't do, I do. And the things I, I know I shouldn't do, I, I, I continually do them. And they asked him about it, and he said, one of the best people to, I think, ever walk the face of the earth, Larry, and he says, I am the chiefest among them. I am the worst one. And if he's the worst one, think about what we are. And so he gives you a list, and Satan, you've got to understand this, as a family, there's always a battle. We're a family in here. I'm one of the newer members of the family. I understand that. And I, and I want to say this to you. My daughter is here, and you've made her feel welcome here. She loves being here. And she's part of the family also. And so, we're as a family, guess what? There's going to be problems in a family. Anybody in this room have a family that's perfect? I want to introduce you to my family because you'll go, wow, it's not even remotely close. I mean, I've got some people that do some weird things. I've got some people, I got to talk to somebody that was, she's actually my niece. I got to talk to her for the first time this last week in probably five to six years. And you know what? It was a blessing to talk to her. Now, she did tell me in the talking, she said, now, I like Aunt Anne better than you, so you tell Aunt Anne that I said hello. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> we all have, a we're all a family. But you know what? What makes a family a family is that we understand our weaknesses and strengths, and we all have those. And sometimes we have to overlook those and still be a family. You know, I'll talk about my, my family. I have, I have two sisters and a brother, and, and I, I'm very close to one of my, my, my brother, and I'm very close to my sister, but my other sister I'm not too close to. But can I tell you, if she were to call me, I would do anything I could for her. The sister I'm talking about is about 70 years old. And, you know, I just see things in her that she's just got a lot of problems. She doesn't go to church, she, and I don't know if she's a Christian. I've talked to her on numerous occasions. I don't know. But how can I expect her to act like me when she doesn't have Christ and the Spirit in her? So, you know what? As a family, we're going to have to understand we're not always going to agree. 
And so here comes the fruit of the Spirit, and Satan doesn't like family, especially a family that walks and lives in the Spirit. He doesn't like this family. He does not like Bible Baptist Church. You might as well write it down, he doesn't. He hates it with a strong hatred. And he's trying to destroy you, he's trying to discourage you, he's trying to get you to say things that will affect other people. And I really don't know anything that's going on, but I can tell you right now, I know how Satan works. I know how he, what he's done to me before. I know what some of the things he's done to our family. And, it's ne and he never plays fair. We talked about this. When you go back to the story of David and Goliath, what was Goliath's thing? He said, listen, if you kill me, what will we do? We will be your servants. That was a promise. But once he died, did they, did they drop all the things and say, we'll be your servants? No. They still continued to fight, and they, and they ran off, and they had to chase them. Because Satan never plays fair. The world never plays fair. Now, you've got two different things that go on in this chapter. You've got a listing of the works of the flesh, and you've got a listing of the fruit of the Spirit. And they're totally opposite of each other. And we all can do all of them. So we've got to be very careful with this. The first one is found in verse number 19, the works of the flesh. And we'll get into those in just a second. The works of the flesh, you've got to understand that word, works of the flesh. That's what your body will naturally do if it doesn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. It's just something that your body, the works. Now the last one is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not from us, it's from God. God indwelling us and making us that way. We don't normally love things. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but if, you were to, if I were to ask you, are a no, normally a negative person? Because we see bad things in everything. You know, sometimes being, I, I know you're a pastor, sometimes being in ministry, you go, okay, what do they want? Why are you being kind to me? What do you want? Someone was kind to me today and said something to me, and then they backed it up, and they're in, one of them's in here, and they said, well, if we do this for you, we get to pick which team we're on on Hatfields and McCoys. That's what they told me. <laughs> I'm not going to say who it is, but one person's in here. I was like, okay. That's called bribery, I think. And so we've got to realize that in our life, guess what? Our flesh is going to act up. Now let's look at some of these things that the flesh says. The work of the flesh is found in verse number 19. It says in verse number, let's go to verse number 16. It says, this I say, say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye, ye would. But if ye be led in the Spirit, ye are, ye are not under the law. Now watch this. These are the works of the flesh. And some of these are pr pretty graphic of what they're saying. Let's look at some of these. There's, there's, in these, there's 17 works of the flesh. It says in verse number 17, it says, um, I'm sorry, verse number 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, and drunkenness, and reveling. Now when we read some of those, we don't use some of these words very much anymore. Let me show you the ones we do use, and then I'll give you the definition and put it more on a layman's terms. We understand what the first one is, adultery. 
Go to verse number 21. We understand what envying is. We understand what murders are and drunkenness are. But when you break down the other words and you get a more term that would be more sensitive to who we are right now, let me break these down for you, and I'm going to give you just the definition. Prostitution, public indecency, oppression, uh, expression of lust, impure moral defilement, sexual sins, drugs, enmity, quarrels, cliques, a hot temper, outburst of anger, rivalries, jealousy, division within a group, parties splitting off and forming other groups based on opinions, not on what the Bible says, making uh, merry and riotous living. That's what our flesh wants to do. Now, we're not probably going to do all of them, but, I mean, do you feel like you sometimes get upset real easy? Do you think God does that? Do you think God gave you that? He gave you the ability in the flesh, but you've got to control it. It's called self-control. And it goes back, and some of these counter off each other. The word temperance counts that off, to be in control of what your temperament is. You hear all sorts of excuses when you deal with people. Well, I'm Irish. I've got red hair. I can say what I want to say. We got any red-haired people in here? Well, half red, okay, all right. We did this once other time before, didn't we? Red, how many of you ever said, well, I am, I'm from the South, so I just tell my, I speak my mind. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that. I'm, you're from the North. You don't have a mind. That's what people from the South say. There's a lot of different things we say. Well, we're Irish. We're red-headed. We, we, there's other things we just, we, we, we go, well, I'm part Cherokee. What does that have to do with it? And we, we go on the basis of what our past was, and we, we kind of make ourselves look good because we can do things or say things and get away with it. That's not true. Have you ever noticed that you can get away more with more things when, you're, when you get older? You know, if I accidentally ran into somebody with a, in a, with a cart in Walmart and hit them in the back of the ankles, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But if I was 19 and I did that, do you think they'd get more mad at me? Absolutely they would. See, we change as things go, and we think we can, we can say, okay, well, that's, the, that's our flesh doing this. But if you are a Christian, and I, and I hope everybody in this room is, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to come into you, and He's going to push those things out. And the, and the beast that you feed the most is going to come to fruition. If you are not reading your Bible and you are not praying and you're not asking God for guidance and asking God for the Holy Spirit to indwell you and fill you, guess what? That flesh is going to come out. It's going to come out when you're driving. It's going to come out when people say things to you. It's going to come out when, when things happen to you that are not fair. How many of you are treated fair all the time? No one in this room is. No one in this room is. So what do we do with it? We've got to deal with it, and what's called the Holy Spirit, He comes in, and He makes us different. So let's look at this really quick. Go to verse number 24, and it says this. It says in verse number, chapter 5, verse 24, it says, And they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So when you do all these things and you're walking in the Spirit, guess what happens? He gives you another list that most people don't even look at. Look at verse number 25, 26. When you are walking in the Spirit and you're filled with those nine things, 
And he's helping you along the way, and he will, he promises to, the Holy Spirit promises to, Jesus promised to be with you at all times. And God is always listening to your, to your proclamations or your, your words that you have for him. He gives you a living word that you can put in your life to make you what you need to be. But look in verse number 26. When you're filled with the Spirit and you have that fruit of the Spirit, guess what you're going to have? You're not, it's not about glory. Do you realize your flesh is all about glory? Look what I've done. You know, when, when we play basketball on Tuesday nights, we're taking a break because we're old and we need a break right now, okay? When we play basketball, I can go to them and say, hey, listen, I scored 27 points in high school. You know what they'll say? I don't care. In fact, all I do is rebound. They won't even throw me the ball sometimes. Randy and I, we're just there to beat each other up, and Nathan's in there sometimes, and sometimes Matt's in there when he comes. And when we play, and we, we just, we just, we're fighting with each other. Underneath. And then you got these guys out on the outside. They're just playing around. They'll shoot the ball, and then we got to get the rebound, throw it back out to them. They don't care what we used to do. It's not about the glory. When, you, when you've got the Holy Spirit indwelling you, what's happening? Christ is telling you what to say, what to do. The Holy Spirit is telling you what to say, what to do. And so no longer is it about you. It's not about vainglory. And I don't know if anybody's having problems with this, but, well, look what I used to do, or look what I am doing. That's not, Christ never did that. Never did that. That's not one of his attributes. He was the man that was walking on the water, but he wasn't doing it for his own glory. He was doing it for his heavenly Father's glory. He was the one that pulled Peter out of the water. And so it's not about vainglory. Go to the next one. It's not only about, not about vainglory. It's not about provoking. <laughs> Verse number 26 says provoking one another. Do you know how to provoke people? I <laughs> look over. <laughs> Peggy is just grinning from ear to ear over there. Wayne, does she know how to provoke you? All the time, amen. I can do things that provoke my wife. My wife is all about um, having the house clean at all times. And I'll set things out and, I'll, and I'll, I'm going to come back to them and then all of a sudden I come back and they're gone. And I'm like, where are they? Well, they're where they're supposed to be. No, they're not. They were where they were supposed to be before you took them and put them where you think they're supposed to be. And, and so we, we think totally different. And in our lives, I think it's interesting that the Bible never said, men, watch this, the Bible never said, Why, um, um, moms, provoke not your children, did it? It said that about men. Why? Because men like to provoke. Did you ever provoke your children when they were younger? Tease them a bit too much? Tell embarrassing stories? I never ever in my life remember my mom telling an embarrassing story about me. I can tell you story after story after story about my dad telling embarrassing stories about me. And, and God knew our temperaments. But he says, we're not supposed to provoke people. And, and we're a family in here. We're not supposed to provoke each other. We're all going to have different opinions. We might have different opinions on every, every aspect of our life. From politicians to colors to food to sports to hobbies. And we can get on each other's nerves if we want, can't we? But the Bible says, listen, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're not going to provoke other people. That's just one of the things. That's one of the attributes of the nine things. Because you're not about yourself. When you're provoking somebody, what are you doing? You're making yourself look better than they are, supposedly. 
Have you ever said something and said, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that? That's provoking one another. And, and not only this, go to verse number 26, envying one another. Do you ever envy things that people have? I think some people do. But when you're filled with the Spirit, Daniel, it's not there. And then when people get to go on vacation and they go to a campground and they don't have any power for four days, I don't envy them, okay. But you know, we've got to get back to understand. I was driving, we were over at Phyllis's place and I have never seen so many golf carts in all my life. How many of you have got a privilege of going to Phyllis's? Okay, at nine o'clock at night, everybody goes cruising in their golf carts. And I'm telling you, some of these golf carts have better paint jobs than my truck does. Some of them have better stereos than my truck does. Some of them have the lights underneath the, underneath the golf carts. I mean, they have everything with these golf carts. And there's people out there that it was bumper to bumper golf carts as far as I could see. And, and you see, and they're trying to outdo each other. This is jacked up a little bit higher. This has got more lights on it. This has got more sound out of it. And we get to the point sometimes that we envy things so much and they bring them there. Thousands of golf carts. And I just thought it was neat because Phyllis's is just a normal golf cart. So everybody else is real high. Hey, how you doing? You know, and, and they're jacked up and we're driving down the road and we just kind of, and everybody has, every third, every third um, golf cart has to have a dog. I don't know what it is, but there's a dog somewhere in there. And as you go and you see this, you can see where people are trying to build bigger and better things as they go. We've got to get back to understanding the Holy Spirit indwelling us. It's not about envying what other people have. Now look at the next verse. Go to chapter 6. Chapter 6 starts out with restoration. You are never, ever going to restore a relationship with somebody if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you look through God's eyes rather than our eyes. And restoration, one day, everybody in this room is going to need it. You're going to do something that's dumb or something that you didn't think through all the way, and you're going to need that restoration. Look at verse number 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are what? Spiritual. Referring back to being filled with the Spirit. Restore such as one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Last time I checked, everybody in this room gets tempted. The devil will tempt everybody in this room. He might not tempt you with the same thing, but he will tempt you. And if you fall, you need restoration. So one of the parts of the fruits of the Spirit is when you're indwelling, the Holy Spirit's indwelling you, you will get that restoration. Go, go to verse number two. If you are filled with the Spirit, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be a, a, a burden lifter. Verse number two says, Bear you one another's burden so, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's why people call in and say, I've got a prayer request. Understand that prayer request and pray for them, ye which are spiritual. Ray, when you call me and you tell me how your sister's doing, do you want me to pray for her or just say, okay, I'm praying for her? I had a, a man on my staff in my last church that if you ask him a prayer request, Matt, he would pray with you right then. You know why? Because one day somebody gave him a prayer request. He said he would pray. He didn't pray for that person. That person ended up passing away. And then he went to that man and said, thank you for praying. And he had to, be, he had to look him dead in the eye and say, I'm sorry, I never prayed. We've got to bear each other's burdens as family. And how many have got burdens in here? Raise your hand. As a family, you help each other out. 
Not only do you help your other, uh, yourself out, others out, you have to help yourself out. Go to the couple of verses down. Go to verse number um, five. It says in verse number five, it says, for every man shall bear his own burden. You say, well, those contradict each other. It says, no, it doesn't as a family. You have to carry your own, but you also help others. You know, when I help others and I carry their burdens, what happens in my life? It helps me with my burdens. If you really want to know what burdens are, go, go with Wayne, Psalm 126, and you'll realize that they have some burdens. My wife shares the burdens with me, and it's unbelievable some of the burdens that these people have. And they're up in the hospital for months, some of them. So we're a burden lifter, we're a burden carrier, and then verse number six. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. You know what you need to be if you, if you got the fruits of the Spirit? You need to be a communication specialist. Watch what you say. And teach people to say the right things. You can say things the wrong way all the time. That's why Proverbs is always talking about your mouth, your tongue, your lips, your words. You've heard me say this before, but one time I got done preaching at a church and I got done and the week before I'd sang and a lady in the back, they were shaking hands with me. A lady in the back, it was at a, a, a different church than what I was at. And the lady shook my hand and she said, you know what? I like to hear you preach, but you sing a lot better. I was like, thank you. <laughs> My wife heard it and kind of, went, <laughs> kind of chuckled about it. But sometimes we mean good, but we say the wrong things. You know, she wasn't my best friend after that, I can tell you that. I had to get the Holy Spirit indwelling in me so I had the right spirit towards her. But then I found out she did that all the time. She did not control her tongue. So let's look at the first three real quick, and I want you to see these. And these are very self-explanatory. Verse number 7 through 9 tells you you're going to reap what you sow. And verse number 10, why do we do these things? Go to, go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Why do we do this? And we'll get into it. It says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to them that are in the household of faith. And last time I checked, we're in the household of faith. If we have an opportunity, help somebody. Christians have the responsibility sometimes of shoving people when they're down rather than picking them up when they're down. But the last time I checked, my Bible says a just man falls seven times. That means six times he's fallen and he's gotten himself up and he's still a just man. Just because we have one mistake doesn't mean that we're, we're terrible. Amen. How many of you in here are perfect? How many of you are married to a perfect person? How many of you know a perfect person in this building? And I'm preaching to the choir. I don't know anything going on, but I can tell you this. As a family, we've got to forgive each other. Amen. And so there's three things. The first one is love. Go to that, and we'll go through these pretty quick. In verse number 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And we're going to look at love, joy, and peace. And these are very simple words to explain. The word love is found many different times in the Bible, and it means many different things. In this, the Greek word is agape. And he's saying that's an unconditional love. That's what Jesus did for you, and he wants us to do it to other people. So if I'm going to love you, I'm going to love you despite your faults. God loves me despite my faults. But he wants me to have an action of loving you despite your faults. And sometimes that's hard because some of those, love, those faults really hit hard. And you don't know how to deal with it. Well, they said something or they did something. There's not a person in here that's not been offended by something. 
There's not been a person in here that's never had a perfect life or a perfect week or a perfect day. There's always going to be things that are going to affect you. But you've got to have that Holy Spirit indwelling you and say, God, please give me the love that I need for other people. Because Jesus did that. The most common verse in the Bible is what? For God so loved the world. That's an action. He loved the world so much, and it's agape love. It was unconditional. And that's hard to do. But as family, guess what? we got to love each other. I love my sister. I tease about one that, one that I'm closer to and one that I'm not, but I still love both of them. And I think I love, actually I think there's sometimes I love the, the harder one more than I love the easier one. Because I know that she needs it more. She doesn't understand what the love of God is. She doesn't understand what it means to be in ministry. I've got people that don't like me because I'm in ministry. Oh, you're a preacher? And you can relate to that. Daniel, you can relate to that. There's times when I've been golfing before and people are cussing, golfing. Then they figure out that you're a preacher. And then they want to apologize to you. And I'm not saying Ray does this when I golf with him because I golf with Ray. I don't think you've ever cussed in front of me, have you? Okay, all right. So, but you know, when, when, we, when you do that, they, they'll apologize to me for it. And I'm like, you don't have to apologize to me. You have to apologize to God for what you said. You still got to love people. We're scoundrels. You know what we are? We're sinners saved by grace. And so we've got to love people that are not perfect. And when you love people that are not perfect, guess what? You've got some dirty laundry you've got to clean up. You've got some dirty laundry, and you never know what's going to happen. This week, my daughter was, was playing with my, my, um, her niece, and she was holding her down and tickling her. And she was laughing and laughing and laughing. Then all of a sudden, Larry, she just started crying. And what had happened is she had tickled her a little bit too much, and she started going to the bathroom. So my, my daughter's like, everything's going fine. It's like she's petting a cat. You know, you pet a cat, it's okay. And then all of a sudden, it turns on you. And that's what she did. She just started crying. And we were like, what's going on? And we, and we wanted to blame Meredith. Meredith, what are you doing to that girl? She said, I didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, her, my, her mom comes and swoops her up and says, she went to the bathroom. She didn't mean to, and it's embarrassing her, and takes her to the bathroom. Sometimes we don't understand people. And things happen. And we've just got to turn around and say, okay, how are we going to make this right? We've got to love them. And love is an action. It's an agape, unconditional love. Look at the next one. The next one is, is joy. This is a gladness. See, I can be happy, but I can't get joy any other way than through the Holy Spirit. I can be happy about maybe something that happened in my life, someone, maybe some financial gain that I've gotten or something that I've uh, obtained, and it will bring happiness. But against, eventually over time, what happens to that financial gain? It's gone. What happens to that possession? It's gone. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and He brings you joy, guess what? That's a big thing. Because joy is not reflected on what you have or don't have. It's reflected on the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And you can have happiness for a short time, but joy, gladness will last forever. Look at the last one, the word peace. When I think of the word peace, it means that we can go through problems in this ministry. We can go through problems in our personal life, and we have a family here, and that family can help with the problems. 
And it can give us peace, as the Bible says, that what? Passes all understanding. You ever been there? When, when we were sitting down with my wife, I'll never forget that day when we were in the hospital. She'd been in the hospital for seven days. We didn't know what was wrong with her. And all of a sudden, the doctor and the nurse comes in, and two nurses come in, and they sit on the bed. And before they start talking to us, Larry, they both started bawling. The doctor did. And I, and I, and I, I know this doctor. And he, he's a Christian, and yet I'm sitting there going, oh, my word. And then, then they tell us what's going on. They tell us that she has cancer and they can't do anything about it. But in the midst of that storm, there was still peace. Because God was still in control. And one thing I don't think I've ever told this church is on the way to the next hospital, which was three days later, we go into the attorney's office. And we go in there because the doctor said she might not make it through the surgery. We go in, and, and the attorney, which is also a Christian, when I went in to talk to him the first time, I told him about my wife, and he goes, what's her name? I said, it's Ann Wagner. And I'll never forget this. He reached over and grabbed his phone. He turned around and showed me his phone, and on his phone there was a sticky note, and it said the word Ann Wagner. And I was looking at him and I said, where'd you get that from? He said, one of my clients told me about your wife, and I pray for her every time I, call, I get on the phone. But it's a surreal feeling when you go and you're going to surgery and you have to go and you have to sign papers for power of attorney, for everything that could go under the sun. And, and the lady that was sliding the papers across, there was no emotion. She was somber. She didn't want to look us in the eyes. And I look over at my attorney and he's crying. But again, when I got that paper and I signed it, there was a peace that passed all understanding. And I can't tell you what it was, but I know where it came from. And that's that Holy Spirit indwelling you when you have problems. And everybody in this room has problems. Everyone in this room is going to have issues. But you know what I like about the fruit of the Spirit? Go to the last part of the fruit of the Spirit. You read it when we first started. Go to it. And it says in verse number 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And then we end there. But that's not the ver how the verse ends. We always overlook that last part. It's one of the most powerful things in this verse because he's talking about the law and everything. And then he says, in the, at, list, at the very end of this, he says, against such there is no law. Now I want to tell you what that means to me. That I can have as much love, joy, and peace that I possibly can, and there's nothing that stops me from having it. The law will not break that. It will not take away from it. It adds to it. There's no law that's going to say, oh, you've had enough joy, you've had enough love, I'm not going to give you anymore. The Holy Spirit can indwell you and make you what you need to be. But you've got to have that. You've got to, you've got to ask God for it. It's not going to come natural because you know what? Your flesh is fighting against it constantly. You're going to find things wrong with me. You're going to find things wrong with my wife. You're going to find things wrong with other people in the church. And we're going to say, well, let's go to this or let's go to that. And then we sometimes move churches. And guess what? There's the same type of people at another church. I've heard someone say, well, I'm not going to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. That's ridiculous. What's a better place for them to be at? Church would be the best place. I always say the same people. Well, then you're not going to Walmart because those same hypocrites are in Walmart. 
Now watch this. When Bruce Fry was here, he made this statement, and I wrote it down, and I want to end with this. As a family, you're going to be offended. See, Larry's already offended, amen? He said that way too fast, okay? Even Mark didn't say amen on that one, so, all right. You're going to be offended. I don't know if you remember him saying this. Watch what he said. He said, offenses will always come in your life, but be a, being offended is your choice. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when that lady told me what she did in the back of the church, you, you'd be, a, I guarantee you he'd come up and tell you stories of his church. I had, and I'll end it with this story. I had a guy in our church. He was a bus captain. He was doing some things he shouldn't be doing. So I had to remove him from being a bus captain. And, and everybody was in agreement with it. And somehow, I don't think the preacher wanted to do it, so he asked me to do it. So I had to do it. So I told him, I said, listen, you're, you're doing some things that are immoral that you cannot be doing. I cannot have you in charge of these kids. And so on the way out, this is what he did. I'll never forget this. He had his keys in his hands. He had his keys in his hands. He had them in his left hand. At the last minute when he was shaking my hand, he put them in his right hand like this and grabbed my hand as hard as he could and squeezed it. And I was praying the Holy Spirit would come upon me like he had never came on before because I wanted to give him a left hook. <laughs> and Lee, I almost did. He held it for probably 10 seconds. And then I was about ready to swing at him and he was just staring me in the eyes. I was like, this is ridiculous. And finally, at the last minute, before I was about ready to swing at him, he let my hand go. I looked down. An hour later, I still had the imprint of his hand. You know, I started, my sense of humor kicked in. I thought, I could make a mold and I could probably steal everything in his house right now. <laughs> I could steal his car and everything. But you know, I can laugh about it now. It was devastating to me. You know what was even more devastating? He didn't handle the situation right. And Lee, to this day, none of his kids go to church, and him and his wife don't go to church, and they were faithful bus, kid, bus captains. You know what happened? The work of the flesh came out rather than the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to be, there's going to be offenses come. It's your choice. It's your liberty if you're going to accept them or deny them and have the Holy Spirit indwell you and make you what it needs to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed. We're family here. You're an extension of my family. I'm an extension of your family. People that sit in the pews on the other side or right beside you are, are part of your family. And for a family to have fellowship... We've got to accept some things and we've got to look at them and move forward. We're not always going to agree. And again, I don't know of anything that's going on other than I'm talking about family. What are you doing with this unconditional love? What are you doing with this joy? What are you doing with this peace? God wants you to have it all in your life. And the only way you can have it is the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you asking to be filled and saying no to the flesh. It's just that simple.
It's not an easy thing to do. But guess what? Family's family. And as the adage goes, blood is thicker than water. We've got to accept people for who they are. And pray that they change. But if they don't, they're still family. And they need our prayers. They need our concerns. They don't need to be, we don't need to be envious of them. We don't need to provoke them. We need to do what the, Spirit, what the Bible says. Lord, I thank you for these people. Lord, I've been here for almost eight months. And Lord, there's a lot of dear people to me in this room. And if we are a family, we've got to move forward. We've got to accept the ones that are coming in and we've also got to accept the problems that we have with the people that are here. But Lord, we've got to be filled with love, joy, and peace. A peace that passes all understanding when we don't know what to do. And we've got to let you do the work, not us do the work, because when we get in the flesh, we're in the wrong area. Lord, I thank you for the love that you gave us. Thank you for the joy you, show, you shared with us and the peace that you give us. Lord, may we understand as a family these nine attributes. And may we put these in, in light of what we're doing. That people might look from the outside and say, this is a good family. Maybe they want to be a part of this family. But they're not going to want to be a part of this family if this family's arguing. They're not going to want to be a part of this family if we can't accept problems in there and help each other out. Last time I checked, Lord, when the lady came to you and they wanted to cast stones at her, how you responded to them. Lord, none of us are perfect. We're just family. Lord, I thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you could stand for us. I'm not going to have a long invitation, but no one looking around. How many of you would say, I really need to have the Holy Spirit work on my life a little bit more than what, he's, what I've, what I've la- allowed Him to do? Would you raise your hand? You need to be led by it. How many of you need to show love more to people? How many need to show joy more to people? And peace. You're not going to get that just by standing there. You're only going to get there by asking and following it up. Walking in it. Living in it. And it's not easy. It's a constant filling. Because the time that you let down, guess what? That devil will pop up and he'll make that flesh do what it does. This is a life or death situation. People are counting you on, on, in this family are counting on you. Let's just give it over to him. Lord, I thank you for these people. May they not just sit and and stand and say, oh, that was a great message, and not apply it. May they apply it. May they just pray to you in just a few minutes. Get some of these that raise their hand and maybe move forward, sit in their pews, and just talk to you. And just get this indwelling of the Holy Spirit where we're a better person because of what you've done, not because of what we've done. It's not about us. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name as the invitation starts.